Book Jargal by Victor Hugo Chapter 1 When it came to the turn of Captain Leopold d'Auverny, he opened his eyes in surprise, and assured his comrades that he did not remember a single event of his life that was worthy of their attention. "'But, Captain d'Auverny,' said Lieutenant Henri, "'you have, however, they say, traveled and seen the world. Have you not visited the Antilles, Africa, Italy, and Spain?' "'Ah, Captain, here is your lame dog.' D'Auverny started, let fall his cigar, and turned quickly to the tent door. At the same instant, an enormous dog appeared, limping towards him. The dog crushed the captain's cigar in passing. The captain paid no attention to it. The dog licked his feet, wagged his tail, whined and gambled as well as he was able, then went to sleep before him. The captain moved and oppressed, mechanically caressed him with the left hand, undoing with the other the chin-strap of his helmet, repeating from time to time, "'Here you are, Rask. Here you are.' Then, as if suddenly recollecting himself, at last he exclaimed, "'But who has brought you back?' "'With your permission, Captain.' For the last few minutes, Sergeant Thaddeus had raised the curtain of the tent and stood— his right arm hidden in his coat, tears in his eyes, contemplating in silence the conclusion of the Odyssey. At last he risked these words, with your permission, Captain. Dauverny raised his eyes. It is you, Thaddeus. And how the devil have you been able, eh? Poor dog. I thought him in the English camp. Where did you find him, then? Thank God. Captain, you see me as happy as your little nephew when you declined for him Cornu, the horn. Cornu of the horn. But tell me then, where did you find him? I did not find him, Captain. I went to look for him. The captain rose and offered his hand to the sergeant, but the sergeant's hand remained in his coat. The captain took no notice. It was this way, you see, Captain, since poor Rask was lost— I noticed, with your permission, if you please, that you were beside yourself. For all you say, I believe that when he did not come to me in the evening, as usual, to share my ration of bread, it would have taken very little to make Thaddeus weep like a child. But no, thank God, I have only wept twice in my life. The first was the day where— And the sergeant cast an uneasy look upon his captain. The second— when that scamp Balthazar, the corporal of the Seventh Half Brigade, persuaded me to peel a bunch of onions. "'It seems to me, Thaddeus,' cried Henri, with a laugh, "'that you avoid telling us what was the first occasion upon which you shed tears.' "'It was doubtless, old comrade, when you received the roll-call of La Tour d'Auvergne, the first grenadier of France,' said the captain kindly, as he patted Rask's head. "'No, no, captain.' If Sergeant Thaddeus wept, it was when he gave the order to fire on Bugjargal, otherwise called Pierrot. A cloud gathered on the countenance of Dauverny. He quickly approached the sergeant and endeavored to clasp his hand. But in spite of the honor, the old man still kept his hand hidden under his coat. Yes, Captain, continued Thaddeus, drawing back a step or two, whilst Dauverny fixed his eyes upon him 
with a strange and sorrowful expression. Yes, I wept that day, and he well deserved it. He was black, it is true, but gunpowder is black also, and, and... The good sergeant would have wished to follow out his strange comparison. There was something in the idea that pleased him, but he failed to express it, and after having attacked his idea on every side, so to speak, as a general, and failed, against a strong place, he raised the siege, and without noticing the smiles of his young officers who listened to him. Tell me, Captain, do you recollect how that poor Negro arrived all out of breath at the moment when his ten comrades were there? Truly, it was necessary to tie them. It was I who commanded, and then he untied them and took their place, although they did all they could to dissuade him, but he was inflexible. Ah, what a man! It was a true Gibraltar. And then, Captain, he drew himself up as if he were going to enter a ballroom, and the same rask, his dog, who knew what they were going to do, is here, and who flew at my throat. Generally, Thaddeus, interrupted the captain, you do not let pass this point of your story, caressing Rask. See how he looks at you. You are right, sir, replied Thaddeus, with embarrassment. He looks at me, poor Rask. But the old woman, Malajuda, told me it was unlucky to pat a dog with the left hand. And why not with your right? asked Dauverny with surprise, and for the first time noticing the hand reposing in his coat and the pallor spreading on Thad's face. The sergeant's discomfort appeared to increase. With your permission, Captain, it is... You have already a lame dog. I fear that you will finish by having also a one-hand sergeant. The captain continued his siege. How? What? What say you, Thaddeus? One-handed? Let me see your arm. One-handed? Great heavens! Dauverny trembled. The sergeant slowly loosened his cloak and showed to his chief his arm, enveloped in a blood-stained handkerchief. "'Ah, my God!' exclaimed the captain, carefully undoing the bandage. "'But tell me, old comrade, how this happened.' "'Oh, the thing is simple enough.' I told you how I had noticed your grief since those confounded English had taken away your dog. Poor Rask. Bug's dog. It was enough. I made up my mind today to bring him back, even if it cost me my life, so that you might eat a good supper. It was, however, after having told Madeleine, your servant, to brush your full-dress uniform, as we are to go into action tomorrow, I crept quietly out of camp, armed only with my saber, and crouched under the hedges until I neared the English camp. I had not passed the first trench, when, with your permission, Captain, in the underbrush on the left, I saw a whole crowd of red soldiers. I crept on quietly to see what they were doing, and as they did not see me in the midst of them, I perceived Rask tied to a tree, whilst two of the milords, naked like the heathen, were knocking each other about with their fists, until their bones sounded like the big drum of the regiment. It was these two Englishmen, if you please, who were fighting for your dog. But when Rass caught sight of me, he gave such a bound that the rope broke, and in the twinkling of an eye the rogue was after me. You may believe that the English did not stay behind. 
I plunged into the woods. Rask followed me. Several balls whistled past my ears. Rask barked, but happily they could not hear him for their shouts of, French dog! French dog! As if Rask was not of the pure Santo Domingo breed. In spite of all, I crushed through the thicket and had almost got clean away when two redcoats confronted me. My saber accounted for one, and would have rid me of the other, had his pistol not unluckily had a bullet in it. You see my right arm. No matter. French dog leaped at his throat, as if he were an old acquaintance. The Englishman fell, strangled, for the embrace was so tight. Finally, Thad had returned to the camp, and Rask also. My only regret is that the good God will not permit me to go to the battle tomorrow. There. The features of the old sergeant were overcast at the idea of not receiving his wound in a battle. "'Thaddeus!' exclaimed the captain in an irritated tone. Then he added gently, "'Were you mad enough to expose your life thus for a dog?' "'It was not for a dog, captain. It was for Rask.' Dauverny's face softened immediately. The sergeant continued, "'For Rask! For Bug's dog!' "'Enough! Enough, old Thad!' cried the captain." putting his hand across his eyes. Come, added he, after a silence. Lean on me, and let us go to the ambulance. Thaddeus obeyed after some resistance. The dog, who, during this scene, had half-eaten the bearskin of his master, got up and followed them.